Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Well, hello, Seattle. Hello, Puget Sound, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I am your host, Christopher Chan, an advanced sommelier, your weekend wine guy, and your Commodore of Cocktails. Hey, thanks for spending your Saturday night with me right here from 6 to 7 on 570 KVI AM. If you ever miss a show or you want to uh, get to a podcast while you're driving, check out the website. It's uh, happyhourradio.net. We've got about 130, 40 uh, shows, episodes, great guests, and um, having lots of fun. You'll learn something, and uh, be sure to tell your friends. There's always something interesting to learn. We've got food, wine, beer, cocktails, spirits, events, and education from all around the world. And actually, um, this is my birthday month. This is our third year. I've been standing over here looking at my pal Kevin in the back and making sure we sound good and and look good. Oh, we need to get a camera in here. This needs to be, uh, this is a face, this is a voice for TV. (laughs) Well, um, I'm a big wine fan. You already know that. And uh, one of the, there's two countries in the world that's relatively difficult to understand. Italy and Germany. Germany, mostly white wines because you can't pronounce it. And Italy because there's all these DOCs, DOCGs, and you've got from the uh, the Alto Adige all the way down, down to Sardinia and Sicily and everywhere in between, the Marche, Umbria, Calabria, uh, Tuscany, Piedmont, um, Romagna, and uh, a few more. I'll study those. But I'm really excited because uh, this uh, past month we had the Slow Wine Tour. It's the Italian Slow Wine Tour. Uh, you've heard of slow food, I'm sure. I know you've heard of fast food, which kind of is tasty, but it's not good for you. Therefore, the antithesis is slow food, which is tasty and good for you. And um, this movement has transpired into the wine industry. And of all places, uh, Italy would be the birthplace And uh, because it makes sense. They're all about tradition and, and family and food and wine and the earth. And uh, it is what it is. Um, and I'm happy to have... I've got... Uh, two of the ambassadors for the slow wine movement, uh, Jonathan Gibser and uh, Giancarlo Grillo is here in studio, and I'm sure I butchered that, but uh, <laughs> they're kind of nodding their heads. All right, um, gentlemen, maze me, hey, uh, bienvenido to Happy Hour Radio. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> All right, uh, what's welcome in Italian? Benvenuto. Benvenuto. Yeah, all right. So I had that pretty close anyway. Maybe I was more Spanish. All right. So Jonathan um, and Giancarlo, you both work for the publication, which is Slow Wine, right? Exactly. Exactly. This publication is a book that details what? It's an Italian wine guide, basically. So we taste all the wines and visit all the wineries uh, as much as we can, of course, and try to pick out the best ones to to review in Italy and... uh, it's a different kind of wine guide. We started seven years ago. This is the seventh edition right now that we're presenting on this tour. And um, we're trying to go a little further beyond just what's in the glass, not just taste these wines and and pick out the, 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 the tasting notes of these wines, but really give the readers an idea of what's behind um, the production process of these these 
products and uh, who makes them, how they produce them, and everything that we believe is interesting and important for the consumer to know about these wines. Well, let's talk about that. And obviously, that's the slow part. Obviously, you have the wine part, and this is an annual publication. What actually constitutes slow? Well, slow is, I mean... As we said, if you refer to the slow food movement, it's just the more conscious approach to your everyday food consumption. So it's not just about stuffing food and, and, and drinks inside your body for uh, <laughs> oh, nutrition bummer. and keep going, but uh, making con conscious choices in your food and, 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 and beverage choices, I guess, to, to really have an influence also on the, the whole production uh, compartment uh, production processes, the agricultural choices, and 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 things like that. So if you know more about your products, you're going to choose them in a more conscious way. Uh, you're going to make these choices and determine how these products in the future are going to be produced. So you can have an impact on um, on food production all over. I like that. It's a conscientious uh, effort and. Uh, how does someone qualify? Do you do you determine that they are a slow wine producer, or do they say they're a slow wine producer, and then you say yes or no? No, I mean, what makes our wine guide quite different from the others is that we do go visit every winery that we review in our guide. So we are not inspectors, obviously. We don't want to be the wine police and just... Uh, They're too busy anyway. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there are other people doing that kind of stuff. So we just want to look at the vineyards, walk the vineyards, uh, chat with the producer and see what they're doing, what is their philosophy about uh, growing their grapes and uh, how they approach that uh, process. Obviously, you can have different methods of working the vineyards. Same thing for the seller. You want to see how they produce their wines, if they're, what their ideas are about... Uh, making these wines and what they want to have in the in the bottle at the end of the process and you taste the wines together with the producer so he explains why the wine is the way it is and and you don't just open a bottle in a in a in in some dark room and and, and taste these wines blind and decide by yourself whether it's good or not obviously taste and and you know correct sort of wine making is something that's important but um there's so much more that makes up the essence of the product that you are finally going to drink. Well, that's a great answer. That's one of the best answers about what wine really is that I've ever heard on the show, and we've done a lot of shows. So, uh, Giancarlo, um, how do you travel from uh, the Alto Adige all the way to uh, Sicily? We we have a lot of uh, people that um, work for us, 200 people. Okay. And so we can... Uh, uh, make this uh, this job this work because it's not so easy to know every wineries in Italy. We have a lot, a lot, a lot of wineries, and so we um, we have a lot of people that uh, work for us, and um, they travel. And after we, uh, Jonathan, me, and Fabio Giavedoni and the other people that. Uh, um, work for for slow food for slow wine, uh, make a lot of trip in Italy to to taste with uh, with the people that uh, make the, the the visits, and we collect the wines in every region and we taste in every region the the wines and the best of every region we keep in uh, in our our headquarter in Bra 
is in northwest Italy, and uh, we we make uh, we we make uh, blind tasting, and after we decide really? uh, to to give uh, some s different symbols to the the wine. Interesting. I like that. So you've got a you have an army, and it would take an army to <laughs> taste all the wines in Italy. I'm sure. Um, how many wines do you end up tasting? Uh, Ten thousand a year, or what? Maybe <laughs> comes close. Yeah, <laughs> so that's five hundred a person a month or a year divided by twelve is uh, forty. So you mean, that's a wine. That's basically a wine and a half a day. It's not so bad. Yes. Yeah. All right. And how many wines make the book? The book is called Slow Wine. Yeah. All right. And this is the Slow Wine Guide. And there's a website, Slow Wine. Yeah. Dot uh, it. Dot it. Yeah. Okay. And for this. For the moment is in Italian, but uh, I think two oh, or three website? months. Yeah, we have also the English version. All right. Well, I'm, I'm sure they'll figure it out. So, what are some of these the symbols you use to denote quality or organic or is it uh, tradition? And uh, tell me, what are some of the symbols? So we actually have um, symbols both for the wines, but also, and I think that was sort of the innovation. We have symbols to give to the winery as a whole and um, what we were looking for is um, on one point we have the traditional kind of symbol that indicates wineries that are just of outstanding quality throughout their range without maybe considering much other factors which would be the bottle so you can just buy these wines and be sure that from a strictly tasting organoleptic kind of point of view the wines are going to be very good and um, doesn't consider anything like price or agricultural approach and things like that. So that's mm. the bottle. We got um, the coin, which indicates great price quality ratio. This throughout. is one of the symbols in the book. Yes. It's a coin. A coin. If the winery produces a whole range of wines, that um, considering the the kind of wines produced uh, ha have a very good quality uh, at a reasonable price. So oh, I see. So it denotes money value. Exactly, that's Got the it. word. And then we have the snail, which is obviously the slow food symbol, <laughs> which is the <laughs> most important um, recognition we give to a winery. And that's when all factors come together, when the winery really produces in a sort of uh, way that slow food, that, that hits the slow food ideal right on the dot. So, Is it you, one snail or do you get five snails? Or? No, it's one snail. It's so it means... Uh, this is the kind of They've winery we, we like, and this is the kind of winery we, we, we would like to promote. doesn't mean uh, it has to be the best winery in the world, but it's it produces in a fashion that we like uh, wineries, in the direction we like wineries to go to, and, and we hope this may inspire other producers to follow the same path. Interesting. Are those the two symbols? So the coin for value and the, and the snail to represent and the, the... bottle. the bottle for, um, for the great quality throughout quality. the whole range so you have you have you can't have them all you have either one of of these three. Oh, really so that's the idea so you have different ways of reading the guide if you're not so much into sustainability and things like that which we <laughs> hope everyone <laughs> is but maybe if you're just going to look out for you know these classical blockbuster wines maybe uh, if you talk about Italy some some Biondi Santi or Gaia which sure. actually works also very sustainable but just to give two examples but in a price range, they would probably not fall into the snail symbol, so you give the bottle, just to explain. Got it, more. I understand. Giancarlo, um, who started this movement? Slow food movement? The slow wine movement. <laughs> slow wine movement? Uh, 
<laughs> we 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 start uh, in seven years ago. You too. You I can't. was there. Yes. <laughs> All right. Right from the start. Yes, but um, the idea, I think, the 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 strong idea is the the idea of slow food. So we when we talk about quality, for us the quality is not the only the taste quality, simple taste quality. Yes, it's important for us, but uh, the quality, when we talk about the quality, we think also about uh, two different uh, other things. One is the um, uh, the clean, the the part of clean, so the... the Cleanliness? No, the environmental, so the... Um, uh, for the, the snail, we... Um, we we give the snail only to the the wineries that uh, don't use chemical herbicide got it so this is one example and th- then the other is also the the relationship between the price and the quality and also the relationship between the um, the winery with the terroir and the, the people that work for the the winery so this is the the fair so uh, for slow food the quality is uh, good clean and fair Oh, three different uh, uh, way to 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 see the the quality and uh, also for the slow wine is the the same thing. We we decide to uh, the clean and the 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 idea of slow food go- good clean and fair to also to the wine. So I think it's the different when we uh, when the people participate to the um, to our taste wine taste. I think they they can understand the the philosophy of, of our guide. So the artisanal wine, the the people that uh, don't use uh, too much uh, chemical products. So for us, it's very important. Also, these things. So. I love it. Hey, you know, we're going to take a little break, but when I want to come back from this break, I want to speak more to the slow food movement, but more importantly, the slow wine movement. I want to learn some of the producers who have been uh, consistent in that book, the, the Slow Wine Guide, which is available at slowwine.it. All right, there's a website, folks. Hey, we're going to take a break. You have a chance to get on your smartphone and check that uh, website out, but we'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio with uh, the founders of the Slow Wine Movement. Start your day the right way. John Carlson, live and local, 6 to 10 a.m. Talk Radio 570, KVI. You're in the know with KVI Want to Know Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. Right, Valentine's is on the way. It is the month of love, and uh, when you think of love, you probably think Italian stuff. I mean, those guys are the lovers, aren't they? And I've got two wine lovers here. I've got Jonathan Gebser and uh, Giancarlo Garillo, who is uh, the founders of the Slow Wine Movement, which comes uh, out of Italy following the Slow Food Movement, founded back in uh, the late 1980s. And, gentlemen, we were just talking about... um, what qualifies and how you got started so did you two have a wine background or more of a journalist background or biodiversity background well jonathan you want to start or (laughs) no i mean i um my background was mainly in um in uh, gastronomy so 
And I came to Italy actually through the University of Gastronomic Sciences in Polenzo, which is actually a university found by Slow Food. Oh. And um, while I studied there, I got in contact with these people at Slow Food and that were working on wine. And um, I started collaborating still while I was working on my studies. And when I, I was done, I actually had a chance to 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 start working for them and that was right at the moment when slow wine was about to start so it was a and Giancarlo was leading the way you were the, actually had the idea for the slow wine I um, kind of <laughs> come on you can you can say so I I start to drink only at 25 when I 25 after the 25 years and that was only sacramental wine no. Only at church. <laughs> no, I I took the degree in uh, economics and I, I like very much to write, and uh, I would like to be a journalist. So I start to work for Slow Food, and after I um, discover the wines, and I love it. I love it. I love <laughs> it. <laughs> this world, and uh, so I I start to to write about wines. Really? Yeah. In, in part of the slow food guide, or did you have a, a journal or a newspaper or just an online blog, or how did you start to uh, channel and share your creative, uh, your desire to, to write? But, um, at the beginning, uh, Slow Food uh, make um, a guide with Gamber Rosso, oh, Benito yeah. Italia, yes. and uh, when I start to, to work for Slow Food, I, I write uh, for Vini uh, d'Italia. And uh, after, when we decide to to divide our uh, uh, future uh, with Gambero Rosso, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we decide to create a slow wine guide. I see. Yeah. All right. Well, we had the uh, now that's Trey Bacari is different from Gambero Rosso. No. Is it? It's the same. Yeah, yeah. Trey Bicchiere and uh, Gambero Rosso. Gambero Rosso is the publishing house publishing the Vini d'Italia, which gives the Trey Bicchiere Awards. Got it. Okay, because they were just here last year, and that was a lot of fun. And I know that we um, we had this tasting the, of all this fantastic Italian wine. How many producers make this guide typically? Well, um, we have the complete uh, Italian version where we review 1,900 wineries, more or less, so quite a lot. Um, out of out of maybe two th or three thousand that you actually tasted, these are the ones that made the book. Yes, the we guide. taste a lot more, but we and we visited a lot more. But you know, you have your pages counted. Also, you you oh. do need to have a restriction to really have only the the best stuff inside. So that's the number. And uh, we actually this year we actually open up slightly, but not in Italy. We took in some wineries from Slovenia, which we think. Uh, this was very important um, to open up to the bordering um, oh, wine I see. growing regions. Trying to make of, it more global of Colio and 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 and, and Carso. So, um, very All right. interesting. You were speaking earlier about this uh, University of Gastronomy. Now you got me there. What the heck are you studying? Are you studying like different kinds of potato chips? <laughs> <laughs> what goes on? No, I mean it's it's uh, just like slow food was always trying to. To say that it does, it's not enough to just know your food from a strict um, tasting point of view, but you want to get the whole um, cultural and and historical, technical and uh, also economical thing into it. And so, by looking at a uh, a food product, uh, it's it's you have to take different disciplines all together, 
um, and that's what the University of Gastronomic Science is trying to teach people. So you have a lot of different subjects from humanities to historical and technical ones. So in trying to create professionals in the field of food and wine and, and, and drinks as well that can put together different disciplines in the field of food and, and, and marketing and, and everything like that. Wow, that's fascinating. Now, is your would your school day have a lot of food in it? Would you actually taste food throughout the day? Yes, lots of uh, food tastings, uh, lots of visits to producer, lots of contact with uh, uh, the production field. So it's a very exciting thing to do also. It's a lot of fun, but you learn uh, quite a lot because of the the practical hands-on approach to to so many things. Well, you're a very slender gentleman, so I don't. Uh, it's it's interesting. We learn to spit wine, but rarely do we spit food, <laughs> unless it's bad. Do you do you eat all the food that you taste in those classes? Yes, actually, the funny thing is, we once had a tasting where we, we were supposed to spit, which was a, a lamb meat tasting. But I mean, that's a different story. But usually, the food you're gonna eat it, so. That's not says, and you were normal. a college kid, I guess, so you're eternally hungry, so that's mm. probably not a problem. Yeah, yeah. Now, what's is that a Bachelor of Science, right? So you come out with a, a degree, and a science degree in yes, gastronomy? exactly. Then you can add on uh, to your specialization, plus there are one-year master courses. Wow. And uh, very interesting, different kind of... You can also check that out on the website, which is www.unisg.it. That's also in different... Uh, languages and gives you an idea of what this uh, faculty can do. Or just Google University of Gastronomy. I'm sure that'll come up too, right? Yeah, gastronomy science is interesting. I wonder, did you study sausages? Because sausages (laughs) have a lot of history, right? (laughs) We studied uh, cured meats, actually. We have had one week dedicated just to that, so you learn about the history, but more of an Italian focus than... The uh, microbiology of it. Exactly. What'll kill you. (laughs) What's not good. (laughs) Interesting. Giancarlo, in Europe, it was economics interesting. Um, Are are the wineries of Italy um, subsidized in any way? Is is there a big... Because we find that wines from Italy can be very, very inexpensive. I know that's true for a lot of places in the world, but there are a lot of inexpensive wines from Italy, and it's, it's like, I can't mail a letter to Italy for five bucks, but I can get a bottle of Chianti for seven. Yes, I think the, um, uh, Italy is very important uh, in, the, in the wine because um, uh, in Italy you can find uh, a lot of region, uh, all region in Italy produce wines. Uh, in France, no, because Normandy or in in Britannia it's not possible to to grow the vineyards Distillers in Italy everywhere you can find the uh, vineyards and in every and we have uh, like 400 indigenous grapes different uh, I thought it was 5,000 no 5,000 <laughs> yeah probably <laughs> yes but uh, in, in the bottle yeah with, uh, I see that, wow uh, yeah 400 500 but it's very enormous uh, numbers of uh, of uh, different grapes and um, the price is very good because uh, some regions the uh, the market is not so so uh, lucky in this moment and the price is not so oh, right the euro yeah. and I got that you but can find the very nice wines also not too expensive in Italy yes oh well that's good, good. Mm. 
Well, we want to yeah. go. So are you based in Tuscany? Are you based in, in Piedmont? Piedmont? You're based in Piedmont. Yeah. Interesting. Now, when you're tasting these wines for the guide, do you have food available? Because most Italian wines need food, right? And that's the whole idea? Yes, but uh, it's impossible to make <laughs> a tasting about uh, 50 wines in a day with the food because... Uh, it's impossible. Just, just take a it's, little bite of a gnocchi, right? All right. <laughs> a little fungi. Cracker or something like grissini. <laughs> grissini. But not, uh, not food. Because Now, do you use special glassware? Because typically when I think of Italian glasses, they're the, they're the straight cylindrical ones. They're not coppas, right? They're whatever. No, no. We use uh, normal wine tasting. Austrian from Riedel or Schwarzweissel <laughs> or uh, uh, who's the other one? Zoltan or something? Depends. Depends what we're tasting, basically. But so. Oh. Okay. And how many bottles do you taste? You you just taste one bottle or do you actually taste two no, bottles? I mean, we the the other thing that we do is by visiting the winery and then doing we actually try to taste the wines in several moments. So right. you might taste it first at a wine fair at some point when the new wines come out, then you go visit the winery. Like we said, we do every year have a wine an open tasting with the producer where you discuss the wines and, and learn a little bit more about it but you still get a feeling about whether it's good or or maybe not that good this year and then comes the blind tasting the first one which is on a regional level and uh, oh. what comes out of those tastings like Giancarlo said will be sent in again to Ra so it'll get tasted again in another blind tasting so we taste the wines uh, quite a quite a lot. Wow, that's great. Well, that's a very thorough job, and congratulations on having something that started from uh, an idea to be so successful. Uh, the slow wine movement was here in Seattle, but uh, it's always on the internet, right? Uh, the Italian uh, slow wine dot it. I've got uh, Jonathan Gebser and Giancarlo Grillo. Hey, thanks so much for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Um, what, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, prego! <laughs> <laughs> Grazie. Thank you. Grazie. All right. Hey, folks, stick around. We'll be right back uh, with more on Happy Hour Radio. A Northwest original. Lars Larson, live weekdays, noon to 3. Talk Radio 570, KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends continue. Now, back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle, we're back. Hope you're having a great Saturday night. Time for segment three, uh, round three, that is. Hope you got something tasting your glass. Uh, I've got some tasty news coming up. You've heard me talk about the Whiskey Chowder Festival and uh, the, the principal... Uh, the owner-publisher of Edible Seattle, which is uh, a culinary magazine. It's um, related to... I, I always see it at Metropolitan Market, which is fun because uh, that's where I shop and uh, uh, have you know eat too much. But uh, I want to welcome Bill Anderson, executive publisher of Edible Seattle. Hey, welcome to Happy Hour. Glad to be here, Christopher. Excellent. Uh, you want to um, tell me about Edible Seattle? Are you a publishing guy or did you study communications? How did you end up in this print business, which is really flourishing. Absolutely not a print guy. Actually, uh, my background is business and business development. So so my job is primarily to be the, the main interface between the magazine and our advertising partners and exhibitors at events like the Whiskey Chowder Festival. All right. So is this the this is the third year, right? The no, no, second year. Oh, second year? Second year. Really? Gosh, I swear I missed one. <laughs> it seemed so well done last year. You thought we had it all in the bag. Wow, interesting. Um, yeah, well, very cool. So, Elderville Seattle, when did you found this paper, this magazine, this journal? What do we call it? 
Uh, it's a magazine, yeah. and it actually was founded uh, quite some time ago, but the Seattle publication came under our ownership about eight years ago. All right, and uh, are you a magazine mogul then? You're the Hearst of the Northwest? Well, not yet, but we're working our way up there. We recently acquired the Edible Portland title as well, so now we're we're beginning to blanket the Northwest. Oh, okay, and uh, tell me what our, our listeners can find in Edible Portland or Edible Seattle magazines. We write about people that are either growing uh, locally, foraging locally, raising locally beef, uh, chicken, uh, organic vegetables, um, gathering mushrooms, making cheese, all the stuff that's done within about a 360-mile radius of Seattle. Interesting. I like the way you said 360-mile radius. That means it's 720 miles wide, right? Well, that's, no, 360 <laughs> in a circle, and the idea is that that's a, a day's drive um, to, to acquire something locally. That's yeah. sort of the 360 miles. So that takes us out to uh, uh, Willapa Bay and uh, Willapa Bay for oysters and, of course, the rainforest for chanterelles and, uh, and morels. Yeah, and actually we go further than that when we start talking about wine country because we handle everything over in Yakima and Walla Walla. In fact, there's a ton of coverage about wine, wine development, and what's going on over in those areas right How about now. that? Hey, I will. Uh, can you subscribe to this magazine, or do I have to go to a Metropolitan Market and no, read it? You can, you can absolutely subscribe. The easiest way to find out how to do that is just to visit our website at www.ediblesseattle.com. Ediblesseattle.com, that sounds fun. I like that you're talking about how local it is, uh, growing things and foraging things. Um, I wonder if there's going to be a smokable Seattle magazine coming out. <laughs> there probably is. <laughs> well, um, you know, when you think about that stuff, obviously it makes me hungry. Uh, I think it's one of the benefits of uh, that particular um, well facet of our life. But uh, Whiskey Chowder Fest, whose who's brilliant idea was this? I, I could tell that someone said, hey, I got an idea. No one's ever done this before. Actually, it was our editor, Alex Corcoran, who came up with the idea. And I know when he first presented it, a number of people thought that that was a strange combination. And a lot of the people who thought it was a strange combination and came to last year's event were amazed at what a great combination it makes. So so on top of the chowders, each of the chefs that are, that are presenting that night will also bring along a protein bite. So this isn't just uh, a little sippy cup of chowder. You, you're going to be able to make a meal out of this event. You would have to puree it because the sippy cup's got just that little tiny little hole in the, you know. Good um, but let's talk about this. When is Chow Whiskey Chowder Fest 2017? Friday, February 17th. Oh, it's coming up. It's next week. Coming up. Fantastic. Um, where's it at? It's going to be at the Foundry in Soto. And that is just past Spokane Street. Uh, it's uh, south of Spokane Street. Um, on First Avenue, you go about three blocks and take a left. It's kind of hard to find, but you'll have great signage out there, a big cauldron of bubbles or something. All of that. Let's put it this way. If you go over the bridge into the Georgetown area, you're going to know you went too far. So just before the bridge, off to the left. We hope you know you've gone too far. <laughs> yeah, before the bridge. So it's on First Avenue, the Foundry. It's a cool location, and it's packed. How does it work? You buy a ticket, and then what happens? So you buy a ticket, a ticket costs you $40, and for that $40 entry fee, you're going to be given $2 tasting tokens to spend with the chefs and are the distillers that are there that night. So um, as you go around, the chefs will have things, uh, protein bites priced at different levels. The, uh, the whiskey pours will always be one token. So you'll get a chance to t taste, there'll be like seven whiskey tasting tokens and 13 food tasting tokens. 
And you can get more in case you uh, need more? You can get more if you need more. Let's talk about some of the participants. Uh, First of all, it says whiskey, so tell me about some of the distilleries that will be participating. We have nine local Seattle-area distillers that are going to be there, and I know each and every one of these guys. I've been to their facility. I've visited with them, and i got to tell you, all of them have a wonderful story from where the name for the their found or I'm sorry, where the name for their distillery came from, uh, how they came up with the ingredients that they use in their product, and just the care and the love that they put into making each batch is it's, it's just phenomenal to hear. Now that night at the event, you're not going to get that much time with each one of them to hear the entire story, but the goal is that as people go and taste and try, they'll find the ones that they'd like to visit in person themselves and make some new friends. All right. Well, can you uh, share some of the uh, the stories, the people behind the stories, the distilleries that will be participating? Sure. Um, uh, up on Capitol Hill, uh, there's Ula Distilling Distillery. Ula. Uh, yeah, Ula. Kirby Callis Lewis is the owner and distiller there. And Kirby just has a phenomenal lineup of products. Unfortunately, again, they're only going to be able to taste one, maybe two whiskeys that evening, and he's got at least four that I'm aware of, plus white spirits that are all absolutely knocked out of the park. You mean so, he's only bringing two? Yeah, he can only, I see. We only have, they don't have time to pour two. So. Okay. So there's one. Um, <clears throat> another really interesting one is uh, Heritage Distilling down in the Gig Harbor area. It's got a great story about a young man who's now a master distiller down there who actually is a WSU alum with an econ degree and ended up... Beer drinking an econ degree, I'm pretty sure. Probably. (laughs) And ended up actually, I think, volunteering to work in the mash pits down there and then worked his way up to becoming a master distiller. Now, here's here's a Coug alum that gets to work around whiskey all day long, and they actually pay him cash money to do this on top of <laughs> it. So it's, it's a great story. And they, they turn out a number of great products. So Heritage is another participant that night. Um, we have Bainbridge Organic off of Bainbridge uh, Island. They just won a huge award international being the best whiskey, best Japanese-style whiskey that's or something. That's the one. Now, yeah. they won't be pouring that one that night because that's an extraordinarily expensive product, but... Um, their Battle Point, which is their organic whiskey, and they use all organic ingredients in their uh, all of their spirits. Uh, they do wonderful things out on the island. Um, <laughs> we have, in addition to distilling, well, <laughs> probably um, J.P. Trodden out of Woodenville, one man, basically a one man band, won a lot of awards. Turns out a very very good product. Yeah, I remember that's uh, uh, he ages his a little extra, and I think that's what uh, adds some complexity, flavor, and uh, just deliciousness. Well, that sounds great. Now, some of the chefs that will be participating. Well, there'll be names that most everybody in Seattle is familiar with. Ethan Stoll will be there with a couple of his restaurants. Tom Douglas will be there as well with Palace Kitchen. Uh, and then there's some restaurants that people probably haven't heard of or haven't heard as much of. And uh, Ivers? Ivers will not be there. but um, Dukes? No, Dukes won't be there. Duke was there last year. Dukes will not be there this year. Okay. But, but uh, Derek Ronsby's from La Petite Couchon over in the Fremont area. His restaurant, criminally underrated always and very deserving of more attention. This will be a chance for people to see the kind of thing he does. And then restaurants out of Redmond. We have uh, Stonehouse, Chef Ryan Donaldson from Stonehouse in Redmond. 
does beautiful work. So anybody who wants to get on the 520 Bridge and come over to Redmond should check that out as well. All right. Well, I see you got Fresh Bistro. That's uh, in my neighborhood in West Seattle, uh, an old Canlis alum, I believe. And one of my favorite spots, Cedarbrook Lodge. Mark Baudinet, the executive sous chef there, he'll be uh, doing some good stuff as well. I had a great time at uh, Whiskey Chowder Fest last year. I'm sure our listeners would too. Uh, website is... Uh, www.whiskeychowderfest.com All right, and tickets are $40. It's Friday, February 17th. The What's the times? 5.30 to 8.30, approximately. <laughs> yeah, so get there early. Uh, there was a little bit of a line last time, and it was a little bit cold, um, but it's it's pretty pleasant inside. It's, it's also a, a very durable floor, so there's no carpet in there, so wear some comfortable shoes. Ladies, I don't know if I'd go with the heels. I might go with the uh, the Uggs or something, <laughs> whatever's fashionable. But um, Bill Anderson, the executive publisher of Edible Seattle, and that's ediblesseattlemagazine.com. What's the website again? www.ediblesseattle.com All right, and uh, whiskeychowderfest.com coming up. Hey, thanks for taking your time to uh, share this story and have a good time. Thanks for having me. All right, hey folks, uh, that's it. Uh, We've got uh, one more segment coming up, and uh, stick around. We'll be right back, chat about some other events coming up here in Seattle, right here on Happy Hour Radio. Start your day the right way. John Carlson, live and local, 6 to 10 a.m. Talk Radio 570, KVI. You're in the know with KVI Want to Know Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, folks. I hope you enjoyed that slow wine segment. Uh, The tasting was fantastic. And uh, 70 producers in town with literally hundreds of wines from, from areas and regions and grapes you've never heard of. Uh, you got to check it out, uh, slowwine.org. Um, I think that's the website, but uh, it was really, really fun. And Italian wine has come a long way, especially those those small rustic producers, the ones that you, you don't see, because a lot of the wines you see these days are big production ones, and they've got all the money to put in their facilities, but... They kind of sometimes lack character, um, but I, I still drink the heck out of them. But the slow wine movement was really interesting because these are real farm people, and uh, of course you know that there's this value, there is quality, and then there's sustainability. Those are the three tenets to uh, be acknowledged by the slow wine folks. Um, but when I'm thinking about coming up slow wine, um, it just get out there and, and be adventurous and try some of the different varieties of, of Italian wine, especially the whites because they're so refreshing. I had a great Pinot Nero Blanc. That's basically a white uh, uh, Pinot Noir and it was absolutely delicious and we just drank the heck out of it uh, for Chinese New Year. And hey, Gung Hei Fat Choi, by the way, tis the season for a dragon dance and uh, for cooking some capon or a rooster. Um, the Chowder Fest is coming up, as you heard, with uh, our, our pal Bill Anderson. But he left me a couple of magazines, and I thought it'd be fun to sort of share this with you. Edible Seattle, uh, It's first of all, it's a colorful magazine. It's got great photos, uh, not only of the people, but of the products. And um, uh, they've got a huge wine issue in here in the... Uh, 
January, February edition. Um, they're talking about Olympia's oysters, and we've got, uh, that's really the only native oyster here in the Pacific Northwest is called an Olympia. It's a very, very tiny oyster. Um, but this magazine is really, really cool. We've got Rachel Yang. Uh, she is the chef of um, uh, Jewel and uh, uh, the, what was the other place? Um, mm, she's doing a burger deal over at uh, the, the <laughs> uh, a burger joint, and it's pretty cool to see a, a high-end chef say, hey, I'm going to do a take on a burger, and it's it's going to work out great. But this magazine, Edible Seattle, um, you talk about some of the purveyors. Uh, we've got, um, for those of you down in Portland, coming up on the 27th is the... Uh, uh, February 27th is the Walla Walla Wine Tasting in Portland, Left Bank Annex. But, hey, folks, on Tuesday, wait, Monday, the 13th, over at McCall Hall, check it out, Seattle Center, all the Walla Walla Wines you can enjoy at the Seattle Center. Go to wallawallawine.com. You can buy a ticket for their evening tasting. Go see the winemakers. Save yourself a four-hour drive. Uh, and then actually take an Uber so you don't have to drive at all and have some fun. But this edible Seattle magazine is cool. Hey, there's a, there's a story about Dick Boucher. So if you do like wine and food, it's it's really cool. we got recipes. Um, this actually ex- extends not only to the... Uh, Washington wine industry, but also Portland and Oregon and a little bit of B.C. If you like distilleries, you can learn about distilleries. If you like oysters, and you must like oysters, um, all sorts of information. I love the fact that this is color, and uh, it's it's a subscriber magazine. You can get uh, delivered to your house, but uh, I, I think it's really cool. I've seen it before, and I, I'm really stuck on it. If you get Sunset and Spectator and all those kind of magazines. Get something local like this because this is really about supporting our local community, the local farm-to-table movement, and as well as the, the winemaking people. But, uh, hey, check it out on the 13th over at uh, uh, McCall Hall. It's the Taste of Walla Walla. Next week, uh, I had a lot of fun. Um, uh, I got some great... I had dinner at Spinasse, and uh, I'm so excited to welcome the chef, uh, Chef Stuart Lane, and the general manager, uh, Angela Lopez, uh, into the studio next weekend. We're going to chat about um, how they got into the business, where they uh, learned and and schooled and trained, um, and also their menu. This place has been around for eight years or so, and, you know, leave it to me to to be the last one on the bandwagon. But um, I had one of the most amazing dinners I've ever had in this city. not only was it, uh, it was just delicious, it was well presented, it has great hospitality, the cocktails and the wine were, were, were well uh, crafted, very thoughtful, and just delicious. And then coming up um, in a, a week or two uh, on the 24th is the, um, or 25th, my pal from South Africa is going to be in studio, actually he's going to be on the phone, but we we have this great story when I was in South Africa for three weeks. Uh, his name is Jim Clark. He's the ambassador for the wines of South Africa. I've invited one of the local distributors, Samantha Agee of A&B Imports, and uh, we're going to taste some really, really fun wines. Um, she's got a couple wines that she's going to bring, three wines she's going to bring in. One of the wines, it was from a winery that I visited, Chamonix, and uh, I'm excited to, to, to revisit those wines and, and sort of check in with uh, well, with Jim Clark, he, he's a very knowledgeable person. If you want to learn more about wines of South Africa, check it out, wosa.us. Um, the wines are fantastic. The people are 
lovely. Uh, the landscape is beautiful, and the food is delicious. What more you want? You want more Happy Hour Radio, folks? You can find it online at happyhourradio.net, and I'll see you next week with uh, Chef Stuart Lane from Spinasi and Angela Lopez. When you're out and about, folks, remember, life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers! Cheers!